0: a dose of hope.com our guest today is carrie Ledoux. carrie is a serial entrepreneur and peak performance coach for ambitious leaders who are ready to achieve the impossible she helps them shatter the status quo and reach their goals while working and living in deep states of flow having launched a new business at the beginning of the pandemic then scaling and selling it in just two years time she's experienced success and failure Um, lessons learned in all areas vision strategy marketing, teams, culture, sales, and scaling during challenging times. She sees business as an incredible lever for positive change in the world and believes that when leaders are performing at their very best, it has an exponential impact on everyone around them. Carrie Ledoux and Robert talk about starting a business to solve a problem. Then you see a bigger problem and you start another business. The biggest thing in business is finding where people who have the problem you are solving are hanging out. Go there, be an advocate, serve them, love them, and help them. Talk about your business and why you chose to solve the problem and how maybe it will solve their problem too. It is more important than ever to build trust and rapport. Well, Carrie, thank you so much for coming on the show today. And I'm just looking forward to sharing about your journey and Limitless Business and, and all the ways that you're impacting the world.
1: Thanks so much for the opportunity, Robert. Looking forward to it.
0: Absolutely. So, my guess just start by sharing their entrepreneurial journey and, and what's led them to, to the work they're doing now.
1: Have you ever seen that image of what you think success looks like, but what it's really like with all the swirls and twirls? I, that definitely captures my entrepreneurial journey, <clears throat> um, which I think, you know, that's why it's kind of the nature of the gig. I went into business for myself in 2017, after I had been doing a lot of leadership development and coaching and training and consulting for other companies. And I just had some really strong and different ideas about how to do the work. So I went out on my own in 2017. I had a really good time. Um, I had a strong network. So, you know, starting out with clients and everything was not that challenging. When I first started, I was very blessed for that Um, but there's a difference between, you know, having your network and referrals and then really trying to grow and scale a business. So it wasn't too long before I hit a lot of the challenges that I think a lot of entrepreneurs hit, which is how do you get more clients? How do you get them consistently? How do you fill that pipeline? All of those things, you know, the, the, the lifeblood of a business. Um, And I'm a sucker for a good challenge. So whenever there's an obstacle or something, I just I immerse myself learning everything that I can possibly learn. And so I was good at helping my clients and getting results from my clients, but I didn't have all of that business experience that I needed. So tons of learning courses, programs, mentors, guides, books. Whatever I could do to immerse myself and and shore up my knowledge gaps and my skills gaps there, learning to sell, which is something I've never done before. Um, And after I did that for a a good bit, I kind of had figured some stuff out. And so then in the beginning of the pandemic, I was watching something happen, which was a lot of people, as I'm sure you know, too, you know, their, they themselves or their partners had lost their jobs or their revenue, uh, whatever that, whatever way that was coming in. And so I launched a program for female entrepreneurs to start their own business. And I launched that, I grew that, and I scaled it to the place where I was actually able to sell it in just two years. And so that was, a, I mean, It's better than any probably master's degree I ever could have, you know, signed up for in business or anything, you know, on the job learning. So I did that for a couple of years, sold that, and now I'm fully into um, leading a limitless business where we really work with CEOs and their leadership teams. And I always say we turn them into elite peak performers. And so what that means is helping people and the companies that they're in thrive be really happy, healthy organizations so that people can wake up in the morning feeling really excited about what they're doing and thrilled to be a part of the company and thrilled to be contributing in really important ways. Um, and that's what really gets me up and keeps me you know, doing all the business things uh, that I always have to, that I'm still learning is the ability to really impact our clients and people and get those results.
0: Well, that's pretty exciting obviously. So love that you you built something in the pandemic and, and are, have already sold it. Like for some, the pandemic is, is still, you know, they're still on the downward, <laughs> you know, struggle. Um, and so to, to build something, obviously, you know, see a problem, solve it. And, and I love that about entrepreneurs, that you can do something quick. You can respond quickly to to the situation and and not you know, not just get caught up in the, the hype of, you know, oh, let's buy a stockpile of toilet paper and raise the prices. No, let's solve a problem and and really do something, you know, that, that can leave an impact.
1: It's so true, the need to solve the problem in your business. And honestly, it's something that I, it feels like it's obvious that your business needs to do that. But I I work with a lot of business owners for whom, it's a little bit more challenging because we all have passions. We have interests. There are things that we want to sell and that we want to do, but the market might not want it or might not need it. And so, but nobody wants to run a business and sell something they're, they're not excited, excited about either, you know? So it seems to me that there's always some negotiating there between figuring out what really makes you excited, that you can be really excited, so it, it can sustain you for the long run, but also making sure that there really is a real problem to solve. And that actually happens to be, I have a lot of conversations about that with small business owners, for sure. Um, doing that research and really figuring that out matters a lot.
0: Well, and then the next piece is obviously, is is it a, a growing market or a, or a dying market, right? And 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 of course, you recognized here's this problem, and and it was a growing market. It was you know, females that are working from home or, or at home stuck because they've lost a job or their partners lost a job, and and they want to be able to do something while they're still at home. And so you know, work work from home entrepreneurs is kind of our wheelhouse, and 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 they're not necessarily. old model of work from home right they're graphic designers they're they're people that used to have office space or or shared co-working spaces but now they figured out look i can do this from my house i can i don't need to pay rent and i don't need to pay (laughs) some of these things um so so solving a real problem and then making sure you know it's is it a growing market uh is is kind of that next piece um so how do you help people tap into a, a, a good market and uh, recognize what their market really is. And, and if their market's dying, <laughs> how do they make a shift?
1: It's so it's a such a timely question because I just sat down. I did a, about a two and a half hour strategy session with a client yesterday. We were having this exact conversation and um, he's grappling with it because right now he has clients that are kind of all cross industry. You know, there are multiple industries. They all look really very different. And in order to be able to really scale your business, you have to narrow down. You have to go small to get big. And a lot of people fight that, and they don't like it. And it seems counterintuitive. So during this conversation, we talked about there's a few criteria that I really encourage people to look for. Um, The first one is, is there really pain? Is there really struggling there? because people just aren't motivated. We're busy. There's a lot of demands on us. If it's not, again, it goes back to the problem that I need to solve. It's like, how painful is that thing? That has to be present. Um, Are they, do they have purchasing power? Can can they actually purchase the product solution service that you are selling? So this was when I was working with exclusively female entrepreneurs, which is no longer the case, but for that time being, One of the things that would come up quite often is, you know, they would want to help people who were in a really tough situation because they had hearts of gold, you know, Um, clearly people without purchasing power. And my belief on this is that, hey, have that heart of gold, do volunteer work or build your business to a place where it's really profitable and then add a philanthropic arm to it or something, right? But when you're starting out in your business, going after a target market that, you know, does not have money to pay for your services, you are making an already very challenging job of growing a business virtually impossible. You know, so that one needs to be there. The next thing that you really need to look for is can you find your people? You know, where are they? And when you're trying to serve everybody, uh, you can't find them, you know, so luckily we have so much data available to us these days as entrepreneurs, where you can find people based on industry, you can find people based on the typical title that they have at their current job, if they're, you know, somebody who's in, who's working, you can find them, but you can only find them if you, you know, like we talked about, uh, go narrow. So those are a few things that I really really make my clients, uh, determine, uh, before we start creating all of their offers and pricing and all of that stuff that comes later.
0: Well, it, and it, it really is challenging, especially for, I mean, health and wellness and a lot of these, um, folks that want to serve, they just want to serve people and they love people. And then, and then they pick the, like you said, they pick the poorest category that they can't, you know, or they're, they they pick a market that they can't afford to pay them, right? Like, I want to help the unemployed, you know, get a better resume and improve their resume. And, and, and you might have the greatest resume tools in, in the market, but you can't give it away for free and still feed your family. No,
1: you can't. And that's what and I think sometimes for entrepreneurs, it takes discipline and patience, you know, like you don't have to let go of that dream, but you need a long term strategy and your short term strategy has to be about cash flow. It, It just does. You know, you have to pay yourself first. And maybe it's three years down the road that you, you know, offer these additional services to the unemployed who need, you know, the resume help or whatever it is. It doesn't mean that you can't never do it, but there is an order of priority that you have to follow. Um, Even with the larger corporations that I work with, sometimes that's not super clear. Like your cash flow engine is number one priority, you know number 2 is your operational stuff and number 3 is strate- I would call like wanting to be more philanthropic like a strategic initiative that's last it has to be last not because it doesn't matter but because if the other two pieces aren't in place that's never going to happen
0: right or never never very effectively right absolutely right. well and i think you know one of the challenges and and obviously we live in an interesting time especially corporate right there's these 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 great startups right ever since the even after the bubble burst there's these tech startups there's and of course through the pandemic right we saw the rise of of uber and doordash and and what people don't realize about companies like uber and doordash and and all of these uh scooter companies and and things is they're not making any money they're living off of their investors and they are not yet profitable even after <laughs> all of this in the pandemic and entrepreneurs don't have the freedom to, to do that unless they have an angel investor and they have this huge business plan and they're getting, you know, they're giving away stocks for, you know, stocks for money. Typical entrepreneurs need cash. (laughs) Cash is king.
1: It is. And I think a lot of the people that I work with, you know, they're good. They don't they don't they're not they're not driven by money per se right like they're driven by impact and that's beautiful that those are the kind of businesses that I like to work with but there seems to be some misperceptions that like one can't they can't coexist you know you can't both recognize the value of money and cash flow into a business and also be driven by impact and the thing is is that the healthier your bottom line is as a business the more impact you're able to have, right? The more service you can provide to your clients, the better service you can provide your clients, the better results you can get for your clients. You know, when, when you're not charging your clients enough and that profit isn't there, you end up spread too thin amongst all of these different clients and customers versus being able to say like, hey, like I got your back and I'm going to make sure whatever I provide to you is going to, you know, get, <laughs> get you what you need. Um, so that belief that a lot of new business owners have, I think gets in a lot of people's way, unfortunately.
0: Well, and that, that kind of leads to the value conversation and, and we are so caught up in this price idea, right. And we're, we're kind of trained as children that you work for your money and then, and then your value is based on, you know, the amount of money you can get per hour. And then, and then when you become an entrepreneur, you start thinking about, well, if i if I spend two hours doing this for a customer, then it's probably worth, you know, if I'm doing it at $50 an hour, then that's worth $100. Rather than thinking about what is the impact that my service has on the client and, and what, is that, what does that get them, right? If wow. if I can increase their bottom line by $10,000 a month, what's that worth to them, right? Yes. I'm not going to charge them $100 to give them $10,000, <laughs> Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, I mean, I'd be I'd be crazy if if my service is that effective and it has that big of impact. It, first of all, they'd never they'd never believe it. Right. Mm-hmm. Because they'd look at it and go, well, there's no way if I only give you one hundred dollars that you're going to help me get ten thousand. Right. They wouldn't. It, it, the value doesn't fit. And and the, the one thing that I think a lot of entrepreneurs really, really struggle with is is seeing the value in their service and and understanding the idea that, that the higher value you charge somebody, the more they value it. And so it actually changing the price actually increases the value and the impact because people are more committed the more that they're investing in it.
1: Yes, 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 yes. All day long. And I think underlying one of one of the fear is fear, right? Because people feel like, well, if I'm going to increase my price and I'm going to charge more money for this, they feel on the hook to get results. What if I can't get results? Well, that's a different problem to solve because you have to get results if you're going to stay in business, right? So if it you have to really disentangle, is this really just an unfounded fear or Am I really not able to get results for people? Because if you're not, then you're not working in the right stream of business. You know, your, your integrity is on the line. You represent your brand. You won't be successful in the long run. And so you just have to ask, what is, is this just imposter syndrome that I'm dealing with? Every entrepreneur, I don't care if they're making less than six figures, six, seven, or eight figures. I've, I've never coached an entrepreneur that hasn't, doesn't grapple with imposter syndrome sometimes, right?
0: At least. Well, not just entrepreneurs like, you know, I've heard Tim Ferriss interviewing Hugh Jackman and, you know, Hugh Jackman is considered the the manliest man on the planet and great actor, you know, awards and huge movies. And even in filming, you know, The Greatest Showman, he was dealing with imposter syndrome in the midst of, you know, this this great production. And so it happens to far more people than most everybody thinks, oh, it's just me. (laughs) I'm the only one.
1: I, like I said, I've, I've never met, I've never worked with anybody. I don't think I've ever met anybody. You know, if you're pushing your boundaries and if you're an entrepreneur, you are, if you just, you are, you're putting yourself out there. If you're the kind of person that's pushing out of your comfort zone, you're going to experience that. Um, so you just have to figure out, is it that? Is it just like the mental hurdle I need to get over? Or am I really not able to produce legitimate results for these people? If you're able to produce legitimate results for people, then like you said, you have to figure out what that value is, you know, that you're in really charge that. I know for myself, and I don't know if you'd agree with this, but like there's a saying, like you get what you pay for, and that's about our perceived value too, you know. Are you always gonna buy the cheaper trash bags? Heck no, because when you 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 believe that if you based on experience that when you're going to bring into the garbage can, you're gonna have a big, huge mess to clean up, you know we've all done that in our life where we've tried to go on the cheap and then later have been like, yeah, well, you know, probably shouldn't have done that. And it it ends up being a big time suck. And, and all buyers have that kind of mentality. Um, So that's, you know, we have to help, I think more entrepreneurs understand that in terms of perceived value.
0: Well, and, and it, it doesn't take getting just a few people results right, gets, gets, increases your value, increases your market, increases your network because those people are going to start being your raving fans and and saying, wow, this was amazing. This is, you know, this worked for me so well, boom, boom, boom. And, and it turns very quickly.
1: Yeah. And I, that's why I love encouraging people to do things like um, beta testing or pilot programs, you know, where you, Let people know, like, even if you're early, even if you are an established business, but you're bringing on a like a new line of revenue, like something different that you haven't done before, offering that as a beta model or a pilot program is really valuable because you can say to people like, hey, this is a new thing. Be honest about it. I think it's going to go great. You're definitely going to get some value. Can we do this in exchange for creating a case study? Can we do this in exchange for your feedback, whatever that is? And what that does for the entrepreneur is it kind of lowers that. We're talking about that fear of like, oh, gosh, now I have to deliver results. Well, you're saying like, hey, this isn't going to be perfect. You know, I'm in testing mode. Um, And the people who sign up for those kinds of experiences are so grateful to give you wonderful feedback in terms of how you're doing and how you can do it better. They feel like, they feel honored. They feel engaged in the process, you know. So it's just a really smart thing to do, I think, to build up that bank of evidence um, of your ability to get results.
0: Absolutely. So, all right. Very early on, you mentioned your first jump into entrepreneurship and that you had a strong network, but quickly ran that network <laughs> out. So let's talk mm-hmm. about Helping, how do you get clients consistently? How do you keep your funnel full if if you're you're using that marketing model, but really just how do you keep making new connections?
1: You're always, I mean, this depends on the stage of business that you're in, right? So like I think about business in kind of three stages. You have a foundational stage where you're just like, you know, building the foundation of the house, you're figuring out your offers, your services, your pricing, your packaging, and marketing at that stage is different than when you're in the growth stage of business. At the growth stage of business, you have at least somewhat of a proven track record, even if it's only a few clients, you know, your services, your offerings, they're getting more clear. Because let's remember, all this is iterative too, right? Like nobody is like, that's the one thing I'm going to sell and then never change it. And then you have your, your scaling phase of business where you have a proven model, you have a proven method, you have a lot of evidence, and it's like turning up the heat. So in terms of how to get clients and fill your pipeline, I believe that depending on the stage of business you're in has to play a big role in that. One of the things that uh, in our program, uh, Find Your Flow is the name of it, the business that I recently sold one of the things that we saw was a lot of people came to us and they had there was a mismatch between where they were at in business and the marketing strategies they were trying. Mm. You can waste a lot of money and a lot of time and then feel really bad about yourself if those two things aren't matched up. Right. So like really complicated funnels. Um, For a brand new business with no testimonials no social proof they don't have good messaging down they don't know their people inside and out like all of things that go into like a high converting we'll just say a webinar funnel just for the heck of it right so many people out there sell those kinds of programs to brand new entrepreneurs who are not ready for it and then those people aren't successful and they feel really bad and they create self-doubt and then there's the kind of spiral you know. Those strategies can be great when you're in the scaling phase, but you try to do it too soon. That isn't going to work out.
0: Well, especially if they're trying to support the webinar with ads so. and they're putting paid ads up there before they're making 10,000 a month. <laughs> and and yes, digging, digging a giant hole and buying uh, Mark Zuckerberg, more car parts or <laughs> whatever, <Yes. laughs> whatever he needs. And, there is a time and a place for for ads, but it's not before you're generating revenue. I mean, it's kind no. of like the the philanthropy piece, right? We want to have that philanthropy piece, but you've got to be making money. Yes, yes,
1: you do, and you have to be testing your your messaging, your positioning, your offers. You know, you have to have some level of confidence in those things. Before you do paid advertising, like paid advertising, again, that's like for scaling. What that means is you have like proof, you have evidence, this is going to work. And it's amazing to me how many people out there are willing to take the money of new entrepreneurs and being like, well, sure, you don't know what the heck you're doing yet, but we will help you figure that out, you know? And and I, I feel so strongly about this because I'm, I made all these mistakes. I did all these things.
0: Me too. Right? <laughs> exactly. Well, and and the sad thing is that there's just, there is so much bad marketing advice and courses and just give us thousand, you give us a thousand dollars and there's no, there's no, obviously there's no guarantee, right? They're just taking your money and they're, they're, they're leaving you feel like you failed and you didn't do it. And really their service just isn't, it, it it's not providing the information that, that people really need. Right. That helping them really niche down. Right. That the messaging comes from the niche, the niche and the messaging go together. So it's so important to know this little market that you serve and be able to answer all their questions. And you talked about pain and struggle. Well, the more you can narrow that pain and struggle down to something so that when you're talking about what you do or or who you serve, the person listening is going, "Ah, that's me. That's me. That's me. I want I want their help. That's me. <laughs> and and that happens. That messaging happens in combination with knowing your niche. And those two just it's so important. Right. That's why niching is is so important. And so many entrepreneurs are just convinced that, well, if I just talk about this, it'll you know, I talk about my benefits and the features and 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 I want to help it. And and you have to talk about the pain and the struggle because nobody cares about the features and benefits of this great thing that you have if you're not matching it to the pain and the struggle.
1: Yeah, I there are so many things that you said there that I, I, I wholeheartedly agree with. And the challenge I think for people is your question was so how do you how do you get those clients, right? Because you can do market research, which I won't get on all my soapboxes today, but how that's taught drives me crazy too. You know, you can interview a couple of people. It's still not enough. You know, I learned my I learn about my clients through doing the work with my clients. Right. That's how you start to nail that that messaging to be able to more publicly promote your business. And I loved it when people would say to me, oh, my God, get out of my head. You know, because <laughs> yes. I was using their words, you know, like I knew like that was that was fa- fabulous. And it took me a full year of working with a lot of clients before I was able to get to that place with my messaging. And you're not going to get that from you know, looking up like reviews on Amazon books is like one thing that's, you know, taught or whatever. You have to work with people. So here's the question, Robert. So how do you find those people when you're new, right? How do you work with them? Well, you build relationships by going where your people are. You go to networking events, you go uh, groups online. A lot of people like that because they don't want to leave their house these days. They're loving their pajamas and like never seeing people in person. But a lot of groups are, you know, a lot more about promotion than actual relationship building so you got to find the groups where your people are that are people are actually there and like showing up but telling people about your business just tell people tell people i've got this new business i have this awesome thing it's amazing i get these incredible results who do you know who do you know can, can we talk about three people you might know that could maybe benefit from what i do you know telling your family telling your friends uh you know just telling the public like telling your network and there's a lot of people who I don't know, think that they're going to build a business, but then not tell anybody about their business.
0: We will be right back after this short break. This episode is sponsored by the newly released book, Dream Life Planner, Move from Tired and Overwhelmed to Free and Empowered by Noel L. Peterson, available on Amazon. Or you can order a personalized signed copy at empower, E-M-P-O-W-E-R to dream.com. That's empower, number two, dream.com. If you enjoy the show, please like and subscribe, leave a review, tell your friends. Welcome back. Let's get back to more greatness. Well, I, I think it's, uh, I'll call it Amway syndrome, <laughs> right? Because, you know, you got the network marketing and the MLM and you hit up all your family members and, and now nobody in your family wants to talk to you anymore because they all have a box of soap hidden in their, hidden in yeah. their closet and and. And the truth is, if your business helps people, you've got to tell them. You have right? to tell them. Yes. <laughs> you have to tell. Yes. And, and you should want to tell everybody. Like you should be your own biggest fan. You should be telling everybody, this is what I do. And I love it. And the, the reason I love it is because I'm helping people do this and, and, and not be so awkward and afraid to, to, to talk about it. And, you mentioned something really powerful in that networking thing because obviously you can jump on meetup, you can find all kinds of meetups now online, in person, all over the place, but find the ones that want to talk about business and want to build relationships and share referrals. And and there's some paid ones and there's some free ones, but but find the people that aren't just having breakfast together and hanging out as a social club.
1: You want to know one of my favorite strategies is for getting clients when you've got a new a line of service or you're new to business. See, I view market research as an ongoing activity in a business. It's not something you just do in the beginning. I think you're always doing it. And I'm five years, going on three years, uh, five years going on six years, sorry, into running a business and I still use this strategy. Um, Meeting those, finding your people, building relationships with those people and inviting those people to be a part of your research and inviting them to a phone call and doing a 20 minute interview where you can really start to better understand your ideal target, your tra- target market, and ask them those questions. And then going back to those people later and sharing your findings. You know, This is especially useful for B2B, which I work in. Um, if it's B2C, you can go back to them later and say like, hey, based on your feedback that you gave me, I've created something that I think is you would be really interested in, you know, because it, you helped me to create it. You know, would you be interested in like trying this offer out? And those people who help you with your research can become some of your first clients. And if not, they can become really good refer, referrals for you. And this kind of strategy works in any business, for any market, for any price point. I've used it in every different iteration of my business, and it works marvelously
0: well. So I love that. So you're 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 initiating conversations, Mm -hmm. asking specific questions that will help you create your offer. And then you can share the the total results. Right. Here's the results from the conversation. Would you be interested? And then based on those results, we've created this offer and we'd like to offer it to you as a beta tester. Right. Because we're starting with the beta test or the the pilot program. Yep. At at this lower rate or this lower price, including exactly. free, if you if you're not confident in it, give it for free to get a case study. But that's yep. that's powerful.
1: Yep. And it and it works across the board, B2B, B2C. I mean, I right now, you know, a lot of our work with our companies, you know, they are. They're larger companies, they're seven and eight figure companies. I still do work with, you know, um, small businesses as well. But even with our larger companies, when we're trying to bring on, get to know them better and get to understand what's in their head and what's in their hearts, I spend time on interviews, asking them questions and say like, hey, I'm doing this research. I'm going to turn it back around to you. So it's of value to you. And you can understand what I learned through my research about your industry So like, that's a current approach I'm taking, but, but in other times it's just been, I've now created this thing that I think you might be interested in. And of course they're going to be like, yeah, it sounds perfect because it was in alignment with all of the problems they shared with you.
0: So powerful
1: and free. It doesn't cost anything.
0: (laughs) Well, and you can at least share the case studies, right? You can help them see, look, I interviewed 20, 20 entrepreneurs or I interviewed 20 CEOs and, and guess what? Your results are similar to theirs. And so they're going to look at that and go, ha, huh, hey, I'm normal. Woo-hoo. All these struggles I'm feeling, uh, other people are feeling as well. Exactly. And, and and then that empowers their struggle, right? That, that empowers their struggle. But then it also says, wow, this person cared about my struggle and now they've got a solution for it. Like all of that is going, "Ooh, this is powerful. Of course I need this
1: the other thing that's part that this process does that we haven't touched upon yet in terms of getting clients is you build trust and rapport because you've interviewed them and so when we were talking earlier about why paid ads don't work for so many entrepreneurs and don't work too soon is because people aren't going to buy from you if you don't have no trust and rapport with them so having that interview provides this perfect container For them to get to know you, they're divulging things that are a bit personal, they're being vulnerable, you're being respectful. It's a beautiful way to begin a relationship, right? Um, And I look at it like this. These are potential friends, connections. Maybe these people will buy from me and maybe they never will. But if you take a genuine interest in these people and in their problems and pains, because you should, because otherwise, why are you running a business about this? then those are just really enjoyable conversations sometimes too. You know, you're just continuously expanding your network, whether those research participants ever buy from you or not, it's time really well spent.
0: Oh, absolutely. And, it, and it's really, it's, it's intentional networking, right? I mean, you're being very intentional in your networking rather than focused on, you know, Hey, where's the nachos and the chips and the beer. Let me, let me have these conversations or, you know, be the creepy guy running around the room, handing out business cards. <laughs> can I Can I get a business card? Can I get a business card? And they go home with a pile of business cards, but you don't even know their face, right? You can't, couldn't pick them out of a crowd if, you know, but if you can have an intentional conversation and ask very specific questions that aren't creepy or, you know, or, or very intentional, say, wow, I find your business really fascinating. Can I ask you some more questions? Yeah, exactly. Of course, you're going to want to, to share more about their business. Right. And, and that even works on LinkedIn. Like this, you could be doing these, these initial connections on LinkedIn, right. You make a first connection and you say, wow, I'm fascinated by, by your business. Could I ask you some more questions?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I think if you take the focus off yourself and just put it on your people, like be insanely curious you know, about be genuinely curious about these people and be authentic about that. They're going to respond to that. You know, the energy that you bring into any of these interactions really makes a difference. So if you're all stuck in your up in your head and making it about you, I have to get this information because I have to get this research because I have to get this client. Me, 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 me. It doesn't matter what words you use. People feel that. But if you can just go into this with this is going to be fun, I'm going to meet some cool people, I'm going to learn some things, I'm going to make a new friend, maybe that people feel good about that, you know. So I know for newer entrepreneurs, making it all about them is sort of the tendency and make it about the other person and it'll make a big difference.
0: Well, love that genuine curiosity. Obviously, I think curiosity is one of the most powerful tools that we have, even for ourselves, you <laughs> know, using curiosity to challenge that voice in your head um, is, is really powerful, right? We talked about the imposter syndrome and, and, and when that voice makes comments or, or says things, asking that voice a question is far more challenging than, than just believing it.
1: Oh yeah. I mean, I've, I've often had this thought that like going into business for yourself is the, best personal growth, you know, personal development that you never asked for. Right. <laughs> it's like you have I mean, I was kind of a personal growth and development junkie before I started my business, but I never could have imagined the intensity in which you become forced to really look at yourself and your beliefs and your thoughts and really create some discipline around that because even if you're a confident person to begin with, I mean, it'll push on every single insecurity you've ever had, you know, I I don't care who you are. So all of those times that it's doing that are such incredible opportunities to really pause and get, okay, like what, what is this really about right now and to question those things. And I think that's key for being really successful.
0: Uh, It's definitely a crucible, right? I think about, you know, the crucible melting the gold and, and, and the, the impurities float to the top if you allow it to get hot enough. <laughs> but if the gold doesn't get hot enough, then the refining fire can't can't get those impurities out. But uh, a lot of entrepreneurs feel the feel the heat and then and then they jump out of the fire, which is why you know the statistics for for small businesses are are sad. Um, and I think you know one of the challenges that that I've seen at least as a coach is there's so that independent spirit that caused them to start the business has left them feeling like they have to do it alone.
1: Yeah, and what is that about, you know, when you look at like top performers in the world, when you look at elite athletes, they didn't become peak performing athletes on their own. How many different coaches and mentors did they have along the way lighting and uh, you know, a light under their butt <laughs> to double down to to train harder to keep going when things felt tough to believe in themselves so it's always been so interesting to me that yet when it comes to business well I should know the answers why why should you know the answers
0: and even how and how right? like, <laughs> like like you don't even know the question yet how would you know the answer until you're in that crucible that's what you right. hire a coach for because the coach asks the questions you're not asking yourself Right. Like, why do you think teachers
1: and coaches and mentors and advisors exist, like have have always existed? You know, like, why have we had apprenticeships since the beginning of time? Because you have to learn from people that have been down that path before. Um, And if they haven't been down that path before, you know, if you're talking about coaches, for example, they at least know how to ask the right questions to unlock, you know, the answers that you do have that maybe are just not super evident yet right so that's
0: a that's another great one too is is they want to have a coach that knows and there are coaches right for realtors for mortgage brokers that have that have basically created systems or processes that can help people be more successful if you just do these you know do these exact steps but there's a lot of coaches that don't like i don't i don't need to be an expert in in the person's business to to be able to help them right and and i I like to share, you know, Tom Brady's quarterback coach has never won a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yet Tom Brady pays a quarterback coach to help him because the coach can watch him from the outside and see his technique and and works on the things that Tom Brady can't see himself. And and that's really the power of a coach is that curiosity that a coach can bring and and that perspective from outside of your business.
1: Yeah, totally. I 100. Um, there's so many things that are tied to that too. Like the, again, the imposter syndrome that somebody might feel working with somebody if they haven't been in that same line of work. Um, I heard somebody say to, say one time, "Well, does an oncologist have to have had cancer?" Ooh, no, right? But you'd well, I hope still. Not right? Not, not necessarily, right. But it doesn't mean so for those people who are entrepreneurs working across industry and things like that, or for coaches working across industry, it doesn't mean that you can't understand, you know, best practices for the people, the patterns, the trends, the best practices that you need to help, you know, your your people with not everybody's everybody thinks their business, their unique snowflake, and their business is super unique. And it's just not true. You know, there's, <laughs> there's things that work. There's things that don't work. There's things that are better than others. Um, But you know, most things are applicable beyond one teeny tiny stream of reality in life.
0: Well, but that's the, that's the importance of identifying that niche again, right? Because you are unique snowflake in, in regards to how you deliver and how you communicate. And if you communicate specifically to a niche that aligns with that, guess what? you're going to attract the people that you love to hang out with and you love to help and you love to work with. But instead you're trying to focus on, Oh, I'm caught up on all these people that make, they got to be millionaires. They got to make a million dollars. Well, guess what? If they make a million dollars. They probably don't need what you're offering. Or right. They've already gotten it. Right. And, and, and so that niching down, that narrowing down is really about matching, being in alignment with, with who you are <laughs> and who you want to serve. And when those two things align, it really, it, it makes a huge difference. And, and I don't know why entrepreneurs really, really struggle with, with that idea, but it applies in so many areas that we've talked about, right? The, the growth, you know finding that stage where, where you're in alignment with your messaging, even that um, you talked about interviewing people, knowing which people to interview and targeting those people specifically, right? Because it won't do you any good to interview college kids if your target is, you know, next generation people, right? And so knowing who that target is, is so, so vital to, to communicating with the right people, right? I can make a hundred sales calls, but if I'm talking to the wrong people, I'm wasting my time and I'm wasting their time.
1: And, and in those interviews, you might find that who you thought you wanted to serve isn't in fact who you want to serve either. So wouldn't you rather figure that out sooner rather than later, you know, now before you do spend the $10,000 a month on ads that aren't going to work for
0: you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is why they aren't going to work because right. now you've figured out or you end up with a whole client base that's paying you money and expecting you to serve them and you can't stand talking to any of them. <laughs> you know, that's
1: like the best part about, I think, growing your own business, um, a service based business. In particular, is that unlike when you're employed at a job and you can't choose your colleagues, when you run a business, you can choose your clients. So if you're having to work with people that you don't like, that's on you.
0: Well, and and it, you can you can absolutely choose to work with people that that need what you have to offer. They they want the solution that that you can help them get, and. And they're willing to pay for it if, if those things are in, in alignment, right? And, I, and I'm a true believer that the idea, you wouldn't get the idea if it wasn't going to serve you. Like, like, if you've gotten this idea to solve a problem, trust it and feed it and nourish it and find the right people that align with it and great things happen.
1: Yeah, I, I appreciate that so much. I think trusting and like being intuitive is an important part of being good in business. You can't only rely on your head. You know, we all get those little feelings, nudges, inclinations, and I just say, okay, that's great. Go with that, but back it up with some data, you know, go test, go test that, right? Like try it out in the market, do the research, find out if that inclination is really you know, a problem that that's worth solving. But I like to pair, pair those things, you know, pair the data with the intuition. And that's a pretty powerful combination.
0: Oh, absolutely. The challenge is the majority of people get the idea and the little voice says, well, you can't do that. You've never done that before. And, and the idea just goes away, right? Because we ignore it. Um, And I, and I love that the imposter voice says that, well, you've never done that before. Well, nobody had ever made the iPhone before. Nobody, nobody had ever, you know, nobody had ever made any of these things before they existed, right? Right. It, it was a human creating this idea, and and then bringing that idea into the world and making it real. Um, and and yet that little voice says that with such confidence that it kills so many dreams.
1: It does, unfortunately.
0: Who? Man, you've shared some, some really great stuff. And obviously you've had some, some really great success in business. What, what's your biggest challenge?
1: Focus. It's one thing that I, it's one of the things that I teach and I probably teach it because it's forever like going to be something that I have to be really disciplined about, um, when you get a good idea, like we were just talking about, you know, you think of something that can help more people or help people more deeply. I had an idea this morning. <laughs> it was great. I was like telling my husband, I'm like, I've got the truth bumps, you know, when I get the bumps and like the hair stand up, like, ah, it's like really, I'm get really excited about it. And having to delay those things and say like, this is my current 90 day plan. This is my year plan. You know, you can change your year long business strategy. You're, I actually help people write three year business strategies, but, and then we break it down. We're like, no, Carrie, like that you're, this is where you're at for 90 days. Like write it down, put it in a notebook, trust that if it really is meant to be, it'll happen later, but here's what you're doing. Um, that for me is something that I'm often challenged by. <laughs>
0: Well, I I appreciate that you honor it, right? You write it down. And I I encourage people all the time that not every idea is meant for you. You've got a whole network of people that you're working with. And so maybe some of these ideas are for them. But if you don't honor it and write it down, it'll be lost. And so honoring the idea, and then then maybe it is for you, but you recognize, but not right now. Yeah, that's the challenge. Patience. Uh, Absolutely. And then there are ideas that like, all right, if you've honored ideas, guess what happens? You get more ideas, right? That you become an idea generating machine because you're honoring that creativity. You're honoring that connection and, and more ideas are going to come. And then sometimes that idea is, holy smoke, this is the thing, right? And 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 you look at your three-year plan and you go, this is the thing. <laughs> and so test it, test it, pro, test you know, it. do whatever you got to do to make it align. But but sometimes, and a lot of people are missing a lot of those creative ideas because they're not honoring them. They're not writing them down. They're not, you know, paying attention to them. And and then of course they get cut off. And if you don't honor it, you don't use it. They they'll quit coming because that's how your brain works. Your brain loves things that you celebrate. It loves things, and your brain loves that you write them down. And and a at least she's paying attention. <laughs>
1: Well, and I think, you know, the flip side of that too, the other way that it supports me in being more focused is that I can have a lot of really great ideas and I can write them down. If I go back to it three months later and I'm no longer excited about it, well, then thank goodness I didn't put a whole bunch of time and energy into executing it, you know? Like the idea has to be compelling enough to sustain you for a long enough time to put enough effort in to get results. And that I think is a struggle for a lot of entrepreneurs. If they don't get results fast enough, you know, they cut and run. And so whatever you're going after, it has to matter a lot to you and enough to you to stick with it long enough to get the results. Cause they do not come overnight.
0: <laughs> no, they do not. And and I think there's a reason that you know, Napoleon Hill shared the three feet from gold story. And, and I think entrepreneurs nowadays are quitting 300 feet from gold because they're not even willing to put in the work to get, get that far in. Oh, so good. All right. You mentioned personal growth junkie. You mentioned, obviously you're helping lots of people, you know, on their personal growth journeys in, in so many ways and aligning their business. Um, how have routines served you in, in keeping you focused and keeping you in, in your plan. Oh
1: my gosh. You know, so here's the funny thing about routines <clears throat> by nature. I am a routine resistor. I, but I need routines more than like anything else to be healthy and to thrive. And we know that that's true for humans. We th- like, why do we put children on a regular you know, sleep schedule and like regular feeding schedule and like all it's it us humans need routine. The funny thing is, is that people who are creative and ent- entrepreneurs tend to be really creative. We like resist it, you know, we're like, uh, you know, I want to like go with the flow and like follow the creative energy. That is a recipe for disaster in my mind, in terms of running a business. So I'm very disciplined and very diligent about creating my priorities. I plan Three, year, three years out, one year out, every 90 days, every month, every week, and every day. And I set goals for all of my time, every single day, except for the weekends. On the weekends, I more like fly by the seat of my pants. But like Monday through Friday, and, and I do it the night before. Because what I like to do is I like to wake up and do the hardest thing first. And I like to already know what I'm going to work on if you wake up in the morning and you don't yet know what that hard thing is that you're going to get accomplished, you're wasting that precious brain energy to Mm. figure out what the, the thing is that you need to get done. Right. So a lot of the work that, I mean, I, I, I always, I practice what I preach all the time, keeps me really honest. So a big part of my work is helping business owners create those same kind of systems. And what happens is you don't feel boxed in or locked in by it. You actually feel liberated by it because your brain relaxes. Your brain is like, well, you have such a good system of making sure that the important stuff gets done. I don't have to perseverate on like this to do list. I don't have to be overwhelmed because I see that there's a plan in place to get it done. Um, So like so many things we've talked about today, people's perceptions about routines and what they do is usually pretty far off the mark (laughs) based on what they actually do. And then we have all this kind of like, you know, I'm kind of a neuroscience geek too, that like really backs that up. That being really intentional with your time helps your brain relax. And then you have that those creative juices that can flow, which is what you really need to be successful.
0: Oh man, there is so much in there. So I'm sorry,
1: I get I get a little excited when we start talking about like peak performance stuff.
0: (laughs) Well, but it the there's so much, so much to that. First of all, the idea of the night before, right? I'm I'm a huge advocate of a morning routine, but it starts the night before. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because of the neuroscience things, I love to plant that seed in my brain of what, what's so important. And my brain spends eight hours working without me. Yeah. <sighs> like that's so powerful to lean into that big rock the next morning and the brain's already like, man, I've got this. I figured it out six hours ago. <laughs> Right yeah I
1: think you're actually sleeping better because you're not laying there thinking about the thing you need to do the next day. you've like already put it in the calendar, put it in the journal, made the space for it. your brain already knows it's gonna happen, so now you can get that good night's rest you need
0: oh, so good i I, I love discussing decision fatigue and 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 it's becoming more and more and more and more challenging to our brains because we. Everywhere you go and everything you do, you just have a plethora of options. Mm-hmm. Like, so one of the, my mom just passed from, from Alzheimer's, but one of the first things we noticed was that she would say, I don't have anything to wear, but she's got a closet full of clothes. And we'd go to a restaurant and she'd look at the menu and she'd just say, I, I don't want anything. But what it really was is she couldn't pick. Mm-hmm. And so when we narrowed it down and we said, All right, do you want? chicken or beef do you want a sandwich or salad like that that's it two choices and so this decision fatigue is is very very real and you you mentioned the creatives right the creatives want to have all these creative juices and all of this but the body the brain needs the the systems to give that space to operate right because the brain is really stuck in making all those decisions for each thing meal planning what clothes you're going to wear. And, and if you can pre, there's a reason Steve Jobs wore the same outfit every single day. Oh yeah. It avoided that one decision. And every one decision that you've already predetermined saves your brain and allows your brain all that creative space. And people really don't get that. It, and of course I think about our culture, right? We had everybody screaming for freedom and really what they want is anarchy and, and and everybody to be able to do whatever the blazes they want. But the truth is The more systems you have in place, the more freedom you experience.
1: Yeah. Right. And that's the thing. That's why it doesn't make sense. Right. It sounds counterintuitive. And so to help people, I think we have to often experience something before we're going to believe it to be true. You know, you can, we, you and I can sit here and we can try to convince people of this, but until they actually put some systems in place and follow routines for long enough to feel the difference they're kind of skeptical you know so it's one of those things like get what give it a shot what do you have to lose you know a lot of us say it's way better we can't all be wrong so like just try it (laughs) see what happens
0: and it's and it's counterintuitive because of the way we've been taught to think about freedom yes right we've been taught to believe that freedom is without limitation without restrictions but the truth is, just like when I was raising my kids, my kids needed boundaries. And, and if we give them boundaries and we give them guidelines, they actually can experience more freedom and 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 have more experience in life rather than this list of rules, right? And and there is a difference, right? My calendar becomes my boundaries because my calendar is honoring what I want to do, what I want to accomplish. And and so much good can come from that. And especially when when my brain doesn't have decision fatigue and now i can recognize it because i've been practicing it for so long if i'm getting overwhelmed it's because i'm not honoring my systems and and then my brain gets blah and and just wants to take a nap <laughs> instead of instead of my brain being like woohoo look at this i got this idea i got that idea and i'm feeling really great about this and i love monday mornings because man we're ready to jump into another week of helping people
1: yeah I've, I mean, I've had the same experience when my routines and systems slip i i am not in my I'm not, I'm not my very best self and when they're good and they're in place and i'm being disciplined about it i definitely everything is better my energy my sleep my clarity my creativity um it, it, it just it makes all the difference in the world
0: all right carrie i'm gonna throw these two together just because we're running out of time but Love to talk about play and fun, and we've been talking about routines and and those things. So, play and fun, and what do you love to do with your family in your free time?
1: All right, so play and fun is something that when I was younger, I didn't have enough of in my life. I mm-hmm. I was just so serious about career and you know ambition and work. It's like a, I used to be a workaholic. Um, so I'm glad you brought this up. So, just in this last week. First, my husband and I, we tried ac- what, acro yoga. It's like a partner kind of yoga. It was fun for me. It kind of sucked for him. Like he was basically <clears throat> lying on the floor trying to hold me up in all these different ways. You know, I fell, he was sore, but like we, it was new. We hadn't ever done it before. So that was really fun. Um, the week before that, he wanted to go rock climbing. So we found like an indoor, you know, rock climbing wall. If you ever do that, it's fun, but wear gloves. <laughs> um, so you know we're just we're always looking to we might do some salsa classes or something in the next like week or so so we both have a tendency our pattern is to work hard like we really love what we do and put a lot of energy in that so we have to be very proactive about making sure that we create balance and we do that by trying new and different things um We've got a house under construction in Mexico, like that's pretty new and different for us that we'll be spending some time out of the country each year. So I'm just always looking for ways to keep it fresh, like have that sense of adventure. Um, and then so I don't Does that is that did I cover it? You gave me absolutely. Ones. I don't know if I got both. So that's what I'm all about. It's just like doing things that i trying things that I don't normally do. That's fun for me.
0: Nice. Like that. All right. What's what's your big dream, Carrie?
1: My dreams all revolve around impact. I'm obsessive about helping people in positions of leadership let go of the myth that in order to be insanely successful, in whatever way you define success, that in order to do that, you have to sacrifice your health, your well-being, time with family, mm-hmm. sense of adventure. Like I, I'm really all about helping people have both the balance, the fun, the health, the thrive, sense that I'm like, I'm thriving, like I've never been better and insane amounts of success.
0: And they just come with intention. I mean, it, it really does. <laughs> if you're intentional, you get to have both. Uh, so powerful. All right, Carrie, you've just spent an hour networking with all these entrepreneurs that are listening and you want to leave them with Carrie's words of wisdom. What would you share?
1: Uh, It all comes from belief. Get a grip on your beliefs and you'll
0: become truly limitless. Mm. Carrie, thank you so much for joining, sharing so much wisdom. I ran out of room on my piece of paper to write notes. And so (laughs) this was fantastic.
1: Yeah, this was really fun. Thanks so much, Robert. Take care.
0: If you enjoyed the show, please like, subscribe, or leave a review. We have a free gift for you at addvaluemindset.com. That's addvaluemindset.com. We've collected some of the best mindset secrets shared by successful entrepreneurs on our podcast, and we want to give them to you for free. addvaluemindset.com. In our next episode... Christy Andrus and Noelle and Robert talk about her journey from a successful executive media career path to mom and entrepreneur.
1: Christy recognized that her big media career with HBO was not compatible with how she wanted to show up as a mom and wife. She designed a different path and gave up her corporate success for success in helping others.